I die tomorrow I hope you hear these words I ain't here to flip no birds or sit no serve Hope the future generations can get this urge Stay woke, youngin' And avenge these nerds, uh You asked and you got it. You were busy. <laughs> well, that one is courtesy of Jess. Thank you, Jess, again. Thank you, Jess. For an awesome new trailer. Uh, there okay. we go. Jess, we got... all things are possible. We, we just need to switch out that cut of doing the, you know, we are here. Switch <laughs> out to something else and we'll be good to go. We could do the, we could do the, uh, we could do the uh, what was it, 4th of July? That's what I'm we... thinking, man. 4th of July. I don't understand. Let's get, let's get it going. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. I'm here for the 4th of July. What's up, everybody? It's Tuesday night. Is it? Right. It's Tuesday it? night. It's Nerds Night. It's Nerds mm-hmm. Night. It's it's it's, it's get it's get nerdy with it. Let's go. Um, some announcements because we gotta we, we have a Dune awesome night. Guest. It's Dune, Dune night. Dune. Do the Dune. Do the Dune. <laughs> that should be a Mountain Dew thing. That, that I don't know. Mountain Dew missed out of that. Did do the do. There we go. No, no. Okay, never mind. Let's go. Anyway, Let's move forward. Let's move forward with the announcement, sir. Guys, subscribe to us, please. I will, please. I, I will say apparently that you and me had a memo where we were rocking the Thanos because you know Josh Brolin is in this movie. Yes. <laughs> so we got an awesome show. So the first half, we're gonna be talking to Rodney Fike tonight about his new Kickstarter Roadkill Rampage. You guys have seen Rodney on the show before. We've had an awesome time with Rodney. Rodney's an awesome individual who, again, has an awesome show that you guys can catch on every Thursday. Um, uh, the SmackDown, that's right. And uh, we shared the link, so make sure you guys check it out. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on Twitch, Twitter, TikTok, everywhere, please. And also, please, please, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, please. Every subscribe counts. Every subscribe is awesome. We love all you guys, all 240 of you who subscribe already. Thank you. Thank you. Two, four, yo, that seems like such a random, like, crazy number to me. 240. <laughs> That's the time yeah. I used to get out of school back in the day. Uh, <laughs> Next on the list is make sure you guys are tuning in to the Medusa's Cascade podcast every Saturday. If you're into D&D and everything, Medusa's Cascade podcast is out every Saturday on Spotify or wherever you want to listen Episode to the podcast. 50 launches this week, by the way. 50 episodes. Shit. 50. 50 episodes of the first campaign. We have a couple episodes of Cloud Recap, which we're hoping to bring back. Alex, come back. We want you back, sir. Um, and then we have... Uh, the two campaigns run by all the other campaigns the uh, two campaigns run by turt i think are going to start releasing within the next few months uh it's got a lot of content just just go here just go here go here for all that content that's right there's more is it sad that i hate the fact that we don't have collateral anymore no we have one more game we have one more game on the eighth he said and then we we uh don't have any not collateral sorry sorry not collateral uh uh chronicles chronicles, chronicles. chronicles. yeah chronicles yeah. not collateral collateral well, we do, we'll we have do. some one shots we got some stuff i know, we gotta I do know. and take care of but yeah it's it's listen just just go to and beyond go and beyond.com check all the stuff out follow the dnd podcast more content's coming on the way on the on the and beyond on the and beyond website yeah can't even say it it's coming out there um so we got a lot of new crazy stuff that's going to be coming out especially for the 2022 year um but without further ado let's let's play this beautiful bean footage from our guest you guys ready you guys ready yeah let's do it you guys (laughs)
without further ado, the one, the only, Rodney Fike. Rodney, welcome back. What's happening, fellas? How we all doing? We're good. We're doing good. good. We're doing Thanks good. Thanks for having man. me back, man. I love these guys. I love this show. <laughs> of course, of course. Love having you. Oh, man. You picked a good show to be on. Yeah, yeah. man. We're talking some Dune, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk some Doom, but first let's talk about your Kickstarter because that music yeah. made it feel like a WWE entrance. You came down lane to SmackDown, just going <laughs> out the beers and everything, and wap, wap, wap. So tell us, um, and everybody who wants to subscribe to, uh, who wants to support the Kickstarter, the link is in the description. So make sure you subscribe. You basically put, give this man your money. Anyway. Also, hi, Relis. Sorry. Completely, completely didn't ignore that, but I didn't see it. Hello. How are you? We miss you. What's so, up, so? Rodney, tell us how the idea for Roadkill Rampage, which I want to add, by the way, the first issue has one of my favorite lines. And the squirrel never forgets. All we had, all he wanted was a potato chip, even if it was spicy. Please tell us how the Roadkill Rampage come to be. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I have a, a job where I, I drive uh, cars. And I was in traffic one, one time and uh, stuck in construction traffic. And there was this baby raccoon, a dead baby raccoon laying on the side of the highway. And it, there wasn't any visible signs of outward trauma. It was just laying there, looked like it was sleeping. And his paw was kind of extended out. And it just, it just, it was a cute little paw. And his, the fur was just blowing in the wind. And, and I looked at him and I thought, hmm, where was he going? What was he up to? And who's waiting on him? And who's going to miss him? And as I thought that, and I see a lot of roadkill. Uh, you know, I drive uh, five surrounding states in Ohio, um, and, and it just got my mind just spinning out of control. So I grabbed my phone real quick, and I started vomiting out <laughs> the ideas that came to my head about all the roadkill and and, and uh, people adding to that body count, if you will. And uh, mm. it just it started off as a one shot, and that was that was what the intention was to write a story, do it, move on to something else. But as we got into it, it just kept talking to me. Um, and I mean, you guys, you know, you, when something talks to you, you have to listen to it and you have to keep feeding it or allow it to keep feeding you. Um, and in this case, it, it's fed into a four issue miniseries. Um, so, and that's where it came from. Just seeing that little raccoon, little baby raccoon on the side of the road. I mean, I, I see dead deer and raccoons and, possums and stuff all the time you know but you know they're all mangled up or whatever um but this thing looked like you know it was just laying there sleeping and you know baby raccoons are adorable mm. and uh <laughs> the poor little guy was just laying there and it just tugged at my heartstrings and it, it just, all of a sudden this story started coming to me so I, yeah i had to get it down and that's that's where it comes from <laughs> Oh man, I I always struggle with when like you like see them like crossing and stuff, and like uh, you're just like you because especially when you're on the highway you can't like stop everybody and be like hey there's there's <laughs> wildlife like slow down yeah we uh last week we were we were coming back from Columbus and this bird took a shot man and he he Oof. came on man. snake eyes man <laughs> <laughs> he so, hit he he he. <laughs> oh, he didn't, oh make no. he didn't make it. He, 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 he got the. But let's take a look here at some of this artwork, though. What people can expect when they're um definitely getting the roadkill over here, rampage roadkill. And again, it freeing that first issue. I'm excited to get like with the Kickstarter and everything. 
But let's check this out right here. This is a some of the page, one of the pages right here. And that artwork is beautiful. And again, you're in this as the writer. How did it feel to see your work um being transitioned um from the pages by other artists, just like right here, just like making it to the pages and everything, creating the images? It, it it's it's pretty rewarding. Um when, when I it's it's hard to describe because it's you know, I don't have any children, so you know, it's pretty pretty uh ballsy comparison, but you know, these stories are my children and the, the image, especially this, this particular story, it's so vivid in my head. And a lot of people say that they feel like they've watched a movie after they've read the first issue. And that, that makes me feel great because I, I wrote it very much like a movie. Uh, it's very grindhouse. I was, inspired. Oh my God. I was just yeah. thinking grindhouse, like Robert yeah. Rodriguez and like, Oh um, man. But, but yeah, it's it, when, when, especially that the first page of issue one, where you see the, 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 bir the literal bird's eye view of the crows over the pickup truck. Mm. That that shot is ex dead on from my head. Uh, so when I got that first page, I was just like, "Hell yeah, can't wait to get more." And uh, yeah, it's 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 really rewarding, um, especially when they nail it. Because and there are some some areas where it's not exactly what I envisioned, or they 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 give me their take on it, and that's fine. But when they really nail something that's that's like a picture in your head and mm. you see it in a tangible form. It's, it's pretty awe inspiring. I mean, it's, 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 there's no better feeling, you know, for me. Do, do you remember, um, creep show and tales from the crypt, the movies and all that, when they used to tell the different tales and yeah. stuff happening, that's literally the vibe. Like, you know, like how you pointed out what law just pointed out with the grindhouse effect and everything, but like it literally felt like that too. reading that, just that first book when you um again with everything that went down in that book it was just and i love the covers too um super dope. yeah super super dope yeah all, all that uh, i'm very heavily influenced by the creep show and mm. all the old ec uh comic books and stuff that bernie writes in and jack davis and all that artwork that really beautiful brushwork and uh, contrasting blacks and whites and and just that dirty country road feel you know grindhouse yeah absolutely um, that's yeah that's what I, I wanted i wanted it to feel like a movie that was shot in film in the 70s Ooh. instead of something that looks like it, it's did it was shot digitally or it was shot with video in the 80s mm -hmm. um because I, I i don't know i'm just a big fan of film that grainy look mm -hmm. um and that's that's kind of what we were going for and i i think i think we got it yeah, no, you guys. I love that. It does feel that way. Also, I I got to say, I I really when we have all of our creators on, I just love when we hear about the spur of inspiration, like yeah. to create yes. something. You know, I I always find it fascinating. It always comes in different ebbs and flows from everybody, and yeah. you're just talking like you're just going about your you know your day job, just kind of seeing as what what one person would just kind of drive past and be like, oh, that sucks. There's a deer in the road. You're like wait a minute, I got a story. What's going on here? Let me put it together. I want to start writing down all these. Let me just pull over, put my hazards on, just get all these notes in before I continue on my day. You're, so. not, gonna, you're not gonna William Shatner? We have technology. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I, I always find that, I always find that fascinating, you know, just to see where all that, when that all comes in. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, I mean, I can, I can get or not, if, if I'm listening to a, a if I hear a, a, a line, now this was back, and back in the 90s when i was doing the superior seven but i heard a line from a song 
uh, it was a Blink 182 song, and uh, it, uh, it it sparked a whole line of history for one of my main characters, and it really it mushroomed out into his origin, and uh, uh, it, it gave me his brother and his wife, and and it just mushroom clouded it into this whole backstory of this character, and I'm like, holy shit! From one line, from one song, but that's how my mind works because you're you're kind of listening to it subconsciously because your your mind wanders and and me being a writer and and an artist it's constantly looking it's it's got its feelers out and it you know sometimes it hooks onto something and other times it doesn't but it it definitely hooked and that happens to me all the time so the the voice recorder on the phone is very one of my one, one of my very most used used tools <laughs> <laughs> listen that's that's literally one of the tips that a lot of people say like you know use the the tools that you have with you especially it's like you know you if you're driving you're not going to be able to stop the car and right. pretty much so it's like you know you got the whole thing where you're just saying like you know you could use the voice memo and just right. you know talk it in and then transcribe it later but it's just funny i mean we we've had you on the show before. Before it was pitter patter, and you had this great cartoon style, this great cartoon world, and then to go into this, I mean, how do you how do you flip that script, bro? It's like <laughs> you really flip it, man, and it is just fantastic. Um, it, it, it's all there. It's just it's just really it's literally a matter of flipping switches because I. I we did all the the we did peanut pudding and jelly we did we did seven issues six of them actually saw print um, and then I did well <laughs> now two issues of Pitter Patter um, and that was kind of getting pigeonholed into oh he's the he's the uh, the kid friendly comic guy he writes all this safe stuff and I'm like no I I do but I've got more to offer than that I can do more than that so I was really itching to do some adult themed stuff. And I think that helped spark this mm. because my mind was already chewing on it. And, and actually, I, I, I wrote it and it sat on a shelf for about a year and a half. Oh. And I found I had, had a guy that we picked out that was going to do the art for it. And he wasn't the right artist. He was he was his stuff was too cartoony, um, mm. which I love, but it wasn't right for the story. So when we, when we came across um, Amon. You know, it was just kind of a kismet moment. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, flipping that switch for me is I've been doing it for so long. Um, and I told somebody the other night on a podcast, it's just like, like walking from one bedroom to another um, because I have I have this area for pitter patter. I have this area for uh, roadkill rampage. I have this area for upcoming projects. And it's yeah, it's just I don't know. I'm goofy that way. <laughs> I am the same way, so I 100% get it. I yeah, 100% get it. You're yeah, always but focused on like everything at once, and you're like, all right, I need to turn this light off so I can really focus on this one. Yeah, and the, the rewarding thing for me is to get people to say, "Dude, who knew? You know, we knew you for all, all right, this yeah. stuff. Who knew you yeah, had this cool. in you?" And that makes me feel great because, yes, it's not just my wife and my friend <laughs> telling me, it's, you know. Strangers from all over the world going, damn, dude, this was good. <laughs> and by the way, big shout out for Tina because Tina is your OG marketing manager right there. Again, oh, yeah. always awesome. Master. <laughs> <laughs> but let's take a look at this. Congratulations because you guys did hit your goal. 
and you're still going. Yeah, we rushed it. 24 hours. Awesome. Wow, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. It was was really cool. Um, And now we're working on uh, all the stretch goals and all that fun stuff. Ah, that's awesome. We got some goodies out there. Tell us about some of the stretch goals, the variant covers, because there's a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff that, again, guys, if you're um, after the show, go to the description, hit the Kickstarter link, because uh, again, Rodney's gonna tell you what you actually get when you again support the Kickstarter, because it's still going. You got 16 days left, but yeah, tell us what you get with some of the stretch goals and everything, and some of the variant covers. We have uh, the variant covers. We have uh, Sean Forney. Is, he's coming back to do a, a cover for us. He did a cover for first issue. Um, we have Andre Alsh, who is an artist from Toronto, Canada, who was really big in the uh, Marvel trading cards game. And this is actually his first variant cover. So we we offered him that, um, and he did a knockout job. And we got step, uh, actually Amon. Amon did a, a, a cover for us. That was the 48-hour um, special that we had, and it's it's awesome. And uh, Sean Langley's obviously doing the alpha cover for it, and uh, Steph Wilson. Um, we had Steph do a naughty and ni- a naughty version and a nice version. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, Christmas we, is coming up. Naughty or nice? Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, we've got uh, hollow foil stickers. We've got uh, let's see, we've got a really cool enamel pen. Um, that's kind of a, a smiley face in a blood. There's like a blood moon and then there's a gray moon. There's two different versions of it, but it's the bats. Yeah. I was like, that's really dope. Yeah. A smiley, a, it a looks really red. creepy. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it plays into the, to issue two. Uh, yeah, there's Amon's cover, cover B. Um, and Sean, Sean Langley does the cover A there. I call it cover alpha. <laughs> Code name alpha. There we yeah, go. Exactly. Uh, there's Sean's uh, cover C, Sean Forney's cover C, and then Andre Alst does the cover D for us. And that is, a, that is a painted cover. That's a really nice cover. Um, uh, let's see and, what else. And then we have the Steph Wilson. <laughs> he, uh, there we go. <laughs> he, he's really big in the variant game, variant cover game. So. We nice. decided to enlist his his aid in this, and uh, people have responded, so we're very happy about that. There's there's a virgin cover, the virgin virgin versions. Uh, there's the hollow foils and uh, all that stuff, and then we've got a sketch cover. You can just get a blank and have. Oh wow! You know, I could I can draw you the characters, or you can get Sean or whoever you want to draw characters from the book, and then Sean Langley and I both offer commissions. We have those there for you. And that's a really good price. Mm-hmm. So no, that is a really good price yeah. for a commission. Because yeah. usually they go for more, and that's a really good price for a commission. Absolutely. And then this type, and then the the because I've seen you draw in um, person last time when it was at Rhode Island Comic Con, and you, you just kill it by with, with um again the pencil, the, the coloring, and everything. You deliver a commission. So anybody who's watching this, seventy five for a commission. You definitely wanna. Subscribe to that if you're looking for an original piece done by Rodney or Sean, because this is something you want. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Then we have uh, the we have the mini print set, uh, or that that's the complete package set where you get everything for uh, 175 dollars, which is not bad at all. 
yeah, that's a pretty good price. I mean, you get all the stickers, the trading cards, every everything, all the mini prints, all the covers. That's a pretty good price. No, this is really good. And and then no, this is really dope, bro. I mean, you guys got and I did. This is what you were saying right here with the blood moon, the enamel pins. Yeah, yeah, those are bat wings, and they actually form the eyes and the the fangs and stuff. So yeah, yeah they, we, sorry, that cool. is uh, pin was designed by Jay Fife, F I F E. Mm. Go to Facebook and find him. He's a phenomenal artist. Lives just outside of Pittsburgh. Um, crazy talented guy. Dope. So there's, I mean, if, if there's the the metal card set. Those are all the bad guys from each, from the second issue. Um, uh, 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 all, so this, Ace. Yeah, I'll, Ace is there too. I want to ask. I feel like I we have Ace. like all the we have the Grindhouse vibes. We have like the Tales from the Crypt, Tales from the Hood like vibes. Who is the voice of the narrator for you for all this? Like, who would you want ideally? It could be past, it could be alive or dead. Oh man, um, that's a good question. <laughs> Damn Gary, it. Gary Oldman. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. American voice or a British voice? British. Uh, American. <clears throat> American, probably. Uh, Little country twang with a bayou twist. Ooh, I mm. like it. He, I he like would, it. He will pull it if, off. If you notice in, in, in the first no, you guys haven't seen issue two yet, but I don't reference a time period. But Ooh. there are no cell phones, there are no electronic devices. So it's implied without stating that it's kind of the seventies. Um, yeah. she can't she can't find her way home by pulling up GPS. Right, right. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, so you know, she's faced with those 70s obstacles. She can't just make a phone call and you know. That's the vibe I got from it. It was like it felt like a late 70s, early yeah. 80s vibe because yeah. you didn't have that, um, you didn't have technology like that back then to figure out where you were at. But and, um, and me, I'm loving this cover right here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you guys know who Russell Allen is, but he is—he's like a super fan, and he promotes the hell out of everybody's stuff. Um, and he's just a goofball. And uh, there's this little little group of people that watch him and stuff, and it's kind of like this inner circle of of his fans. And uh, he, he's just he, he's just a goofball. He did that of his own volition and sent it to us. And we were like, can we use this? He's like, no, dude, that's why I did it. So it's just it's something stupid, but you know, it's funny. And uh, it's just, some, you know, something different to offer offer everybody it just shows them our sense of humor, you know, on that side of things. It's not all horror, you know, right. The silly well, side has them, <laughs> but it shows it showcases who you are. And again, Rodney, I mean, you know, again, meeting you and everything, and then building a relationship with you and Tina, it just showcases again that you're an awesome individual. I congratulate you guys and his um on the Kickstarter and you and the whole team because again, this is a phenomenal book. Everybody, again, who's listening, who's watching, please hit the link, subscribe. Um, subscribe sorry i keep saying subscribe because i'm in that mode um support the kickstarter get your hands because this is if you love the the the, the old school grindhouse if you love horror and you just want a really great independent story that's there you definitely want to support this kickstarter and add it to your collection um Absolutely. which um again um i 
I have my oh yeah, here we go. So I'll take my money. <laughs> <laughs> but now we are on that portion of the show again, guys. The Kickstarter will be up there. We'll, Roddy will join the plug and plug again one more time after the show. But now we are on this. Ed, you ready? Oh, man. oh, finally, oh. finally, finally, oh. finally. All right. We are here to talk the, 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 about the best first half of the movie I've ever seen. Uh, we are talking Dune part one, uh, mm -hmm. 2021 version pushed to 2021 because of 2020. We will talk everything that we saw in the movie. Um, that's pretty much fair game. Everything in the movie. Uh, the fact that Dr. Yue was, uh, was a traitor and that Oscar Isaacs dies, right. and that Zendaya is not in this movie as much as she has marketed to be in. You know, right. I, I, don't, you know I, I don't really care, but apparently people did care. I, I could care less. Um, so let's talk to it. Let's talk Dune part one. What did you guys like? What did you, what did you love? Will it entice you to read the book? Anybody aside from Seabass, since I know Seabass doesn't read. Um, <laughs> Damn! Damn. I'm, that's it, it's done. <laughs> He's coming over right now. <laughs> Savage Toad. No, Toad is coming in hot. <laughs> this is those moments. Rodney, you attacked it. How we gave you the homework. We were like, watch it, Rodney. How did you feel about this movie? How did you and Tina enjoy it? Or, you know, give us your thoughts. We really, we, I liked it. I mean, I was, all I heard from everybody was, they didn't like it. The feedback wasn't very good. It was slow. It was boring. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, whatever. <laughs> and, and I watched it, and I was completely enthralled. Um, I loved it. Um, and I'm going to go back and watch it again, just because I, I, I'm i sure there's plenty of things I'll pick up on the second time around. But, you know, we were talking backstage before. The costume design was just spot on. I mean, I was really impressed with the costume designing. The set designs were awesome. Um, the cinematography, um, we talked about that. It was just really just eye popping and just overall the total package was just great. Um, very cerebral, you know, we talked about yes, that earlier. Yeah. Um, it's a cerebral movie, um, which is fine. I like cerebral stuff, but you gotta, you gotta pay attention. You gotta be able to make the parallel connections with, with mythology uh, you know, and stuff like that. And I think that's why it appealed to me so much is because I love mythology and I love, you know, the force type stuff like that. And it was great. The acting was great. Um, the lighting, everything. I just, I, I really, really enjoyed it. The, uh, the bad guy, can't think of his name. The big fat guy. The Duke. I got you. The, uh, yeah, it was yeah. Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. Reminded me of, uh, old fat Marlon Brando. <laughs> yes, which, which is a compliment because I see that. Yeah, very disturbing, you know, gluttonous, you know, persona, and mm -hmm. that's kind of what it reminded me of. And I was like, oh man, this is freaky in a good way. I like it. And then the things on his spine just intrigued me even more. What's up with dude's back? The the whole uh, bath when he just gets out the bath and then he goes back again. Oh, he just God. Keeps... all of it is so disturbing. Well, you. Tag right, yeah, to, to Roddy's point, like all of it hit a lot of really great notes. I think it's the kind of movie that really took the time to set up world building. Like yeah. it's not going to give you a lot of um, that blockbuster feel, I guess. It's yeah, really, there's not it's, a lot of car chases in it. 
right there's not there's not like it's a lot of establishment of world because if you go in blind like i did like i've never read the book i never watched the old movie uh you're fully engrossed in this in this uh story and in this like mythology for the first time so they're literally trying to give you as much information and it's a lot it's dense it's a lot of information but they did it in such a way that it didn't feel overwhelming because a lot of times you get info dumped and you're just like i don't know what to do with this is this relevant whatever the case is they gave you a lot enough to understand what's going on yeah they didn't i didn't feel like i was force fed a ton of information right revealed very organically and very slowly so i can digest it all at a good pace exactly i think i think because of that like if you go in with that mindset of like Oh, they're going to establish like this, the book itself. Tone, hold up the book real quick. The book itself is dense. It is yes, it's a, it's a dense super book. dense. You it's know what dense. I mean? So like, if you just go it's good, into it's it, good. It's good dense, but it's dense. Right, but if <laughs> you go into it and try, you know, and got, try to like, if you try to just go into it blind and just try to do all the cliff notes and all the fun stuff to like try to pull people in, I think it's going to be a disservice. I have never even read the book, but I know with the world building that like they're doing that I'm sure it would be a disservice to just take the fun bits, throw them in there just so people can like stick, you know, stick around and, and, and stick with it. You know? Yeah. Tony, I know you've been waiting to talk about this movie. Come on, give it. Oh man. Yo. So I have been waiting for this shit to come out for like a year and change. When I first saw the first trailer, I was like, I was always all in. Um, I've got to say that, we got a very good science fiction movie with a solid story that wasn't all flashy flashy and blowing shit up and like there was like a really a really solid story and i was i was in from the minute this movie started like i was in watching like the first scene when zendaya's kind of doing the overture and talking about uh talking about dune so when they go to caladan and you're seeing like all the stuff with paul and you're seeing the all the trades men you're seeing the change of arms like the whole set design i'm watching i'm just like Yes, just give me all of this. I want it Does all. Does it feel like, <laughs> even though it's sci-fi and it feels like it takes place so far in the future because it does, it feels really grounded. No, it feels really grounded because there's no AI. Yeah, yeah, like it, and that's that's purposely done through the backstory because of how Herbert built his world. There was AI, there was a rebellion, and now they have no AI, which is why they need the spice and they need all this other stuff to kind of do the whole space travel bit of it so it's very grounded and they kind of keep it to that they keep it to that uh very imperialistic sort of thing with the emperor and the houses and all all of that stuff um so yeah that's that's why it's it's just really a grounded story set in the far 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 future but there are bits and pieces of things you would expect in the far future that aren't there and there are are lore reasons as to as to why um but I was I was all in all the all the really great scenes, all the things we're really looking forward to um, as Law and Rodney were mentioning about not having an info dump. You know, that would do a disservice because this type of this type of lore, you, you don't want to be force fed all of this information at once, especially if it's not going to do anything for you. Like there's no need to force feed info if it's not going to help. Right. So. Nice. The book, you know, you get you get inner monologue, you get different perspectives and stuff. But what the movie really does is that it just really focuses on Paul's journey, because Paul's the is Paul's the antagonist. Paul is the messiah character of this book, and instead of kind of jumping around and doing all the other bits that 
someone who's read the someone who's read the book may have wanted or other pieces of dialogue you may have not gotten. We focus on Paul because we, the viewer, are watching Paul and we're going through his journey. So, um, and that's what you got to do for a two and a half hour movie to make it stick and make it relevant and to make it work. That was the way to go. I, I'm I miss certain things that I wish appeared, but I got why we only got a few jumps and the jumps we did get that are outside of Paul were for purpose. Like when they go to uh, Gita Prime and you see the Harkonnens planning and plotting, it mm -hmm. made sense. When you see when uh, Piner goes to the planet where the Sardaukar are and like you get where he's getting all these troops from. But like they really keep it grounded the fact that you're with Paul most of the time in this movie because it's his story. Uh, yeah. and, and I think that was the that was the way to go about it. And I'm sure when we get part two, it's just going to be his journey to transform himself into that that Messiah character. I really I, like, I was here for it. I loved it. I really like that in this movie, though, again, just to touch up on, and I was reading an article about it, is that it did something right where we have a lot of action movies and movies that that come out where it's very flashy. It's very it's not really in, in you know, it, it this movie was story driven and you still had action in it and it was very story driven it didn't rely on comedy it relied on world building relationship building with the characters and it just it, it's like you thought that the, you you really got the sense that these people knew each other forever and it didn't like even though there was star power it didn't rely on the star power and no one took away from other yeah. actors in the movie um rodney um i want to ask you to lead off with this one is what were some of the elements that you love that stuck out to you um in terms of this world that was built what were some of the things that just caught your eye and just like yo this is this was phenomenal this was really you know, what was something that stuck out to you in there the one thing that i noticed was that really i kind of sat up and like oh shit that the tube um where they jump yeah they showed a, a perspective shot of it so you could see inside of it and in the back of it was the other planet so you got that they made you feel that they were jumping through space and mm -hmm. I thought that was particularly brilliant because if you read all of the um, UFO sightings and stuff about the cigar-shaped thing that people have seen through centuries, that's what that was. Mm -hmm. you know? And I'm like, oh, shit. They, <laughs> they've connected the, the lore of the UFO sightings from centuries back to the cigar-shaped thing, and that cigar-shaped thing is a time jumper. Brilliant. <laughs> I thought that was genius. Um yeah, but that, I mean that's that's the biggest thing that really stuck out to me because I I noticed it right as it was going off the screen and I'm like, oh man, and then my mind just started going, how cool is that? How cool, why is that so cool? <laughs> it's just started going on and on and on and on. But yeah, I I just I love the the houses, you know, very Game of Thrones, um, and uh, you know uh, the fact that nobody outshined anybody else everything was very even keeled as far as performances go everybody was spot on um and and for and i said it earlier but i, I feel like i gotta say it again is the lighting yeah i, I found the lighting very striking um, it was very well utilized in my opinion um yeah and just uh, i don't know I, I can't say enough good about it oh, yeah. <laughs> No, I, I agree with you with the line because when you were when you were on the House of Trades planet, um, home planet, you had this lighting that really showcased the lush greens of yeah. the planet. Yeah. When you were on um Hark um not Harkin, um 
the main planet with spice and all that where the story was taking place the desert planet it's like you had this 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 light that was there and it really showcased the brightness and everything that yeah you're on a real desert planet right now it's it's really and he, and he, and he kind of felt the dryness too through there um and so that the lighting that's something i didn't really think about too is how it really helped with driving the scenery there um tone you're next um so for me that so what was the question like what what really got us sorry that what really like stuck out to you with this movie yeah. of how they built um, this world and everything how, so what i was really what i really loved was how they portrayed the voice um like what the what the ben jesseret women can can use their part of their power right and so seeing how uh, they how how it happened to Paul when when he's still on Caladan and he goes into the corridor with the Mother Superior, mm. uh, and he does his the jump jobber test, and he she gives him the command to kneel in front of him and it's kind of like he just kind of just moves and sits in front of her. Uh, uh, then it, um, Villanueva, the director, he did a, a piece talking about that scene and how he was going to portray it and the fact that he was like, well, how are you going to do this? Because essentially, what happens is that you lose all control of your body and you don't remember doing it. You kind of just, it's like you go into like a unconsciousness and you wake up and you're like doing, you, you did the command. So he did it where we're going to do like a cutaway shot and kind of do like a slow-mo. And I was like, man, that was really dope way to showcase how this power works because they're unable to control. Also how they use the audio and like their pitch, mm -hmm. their pitch and their, 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 uh, and their whole thing just kind of changes when they when they command uh and, uh, and you know it just reminded me to the voices like you know when you're when your mom or whatever matriarch in your family gives you that voice of like gives you that command to do something like i'm not gonna fuck around i'm gonna do what i gotta do but they use your middle name you can <laughs> yes. fuck around and find out they say, yeah. when she says rodney dean you pay attention <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah but yeah, that was it for me Law, what, um, what really come on, you know, one of, you one, of the, one of the biggest things was how distinct each like uh set of people are. So, um, like everyone's distinct in either fighting styles, like uh, how they adapt to their environment. Um, like, uh, there was a point where I think it was Duncan. Or someone asked Duncan, uh, uh, Jason Momoa's character, like, "How do you know you fought you fought a Sakaar or something like that?" And he was like, "Once you fight one, you know. Like, there's no way you you don't know, kind of thing, because they're so distinct. They're such a, like a fighting force. Even when they were getting recruited, they said something like, "Our forces equal, you know, ten thousand of theirs, some crazy <clears throat> like that." And I was just like, "Wow!" Like they really established like where everyone views themselves and are viewed by the other parts of this world of this galaxy of this universe that they built yeah so they established feels very mechanism. like yeah, yeah they, everything feels very very um uh deliberate and like they pay attention to those details even when um when um uh stilgar javier borden's uh, character came in and then he like just spit like that threw everyone off and you see like uh, uh gurney josh brolin's character just go like like Josh Brolin, big up says dude, because he was he played his part perfectly. I think he was the perfect like, yo, what are you doing? Like I'm the guy. You have to get through me to to do anything, and he played that to the letter. But then you had Jason Momoa, who was like, I've been with them this entire time, so like that's a custom. Thank you for giving me that. And, and then he's like, huh? And like I appreciated that so much. I, I even appreciated Oscar Isaac's character for like going in there like. 
you know, people are like, you know, you came here and there were many men before you who had good intentions or whatever the case is. And, but I, you really get that sense like he wanted it. Like he knew and understood what those people were and like what they couldn't possess and like what uh, they eventually call like desert power essentially. Um, and they established that early on that like he's like, I'm, you know, we're, we're you know, our house of trainees and all this other stuff, but like they're a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. Like if we can work with them as opposed to try to like, you know, undermine them or try to oppress them we can like be a force to be reckoned with uh, together, you know? So I love that. Yeah. And can we give a shout out that Jason Momoa's character was named Duncan Idaho. Dude. I love that. Name. <laughs> I love that. Name. Cause let's, let's yeah. also, let's also like not the combat scenes, like the fight choreography chef's kiss, but particularly like Jason Momoa and, uh, and Josh Brolin scenes were off the fucking hook. Cause yeah. like you knew, cause even when they were talking about, um, on on Sakara, whatever the, the other the other thing was, they were like, "Well, they have Duncan Idaho and they have uh, Gurney Halleck, and those are names like to be reckoned with. Like those are the names you're just like, oh shit. Um, it's basically it's basically saying like they have a Jamie Lannister. Yeah, like, yeah. you yeah, know the, what I mean? The, like their names are legend. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So they, you know, another thing too that I I wanted to touch on real quick before we switch to something mm -hmm. else is um, the the planet. The, the the desert planet mm. it was interesting to me how they shot that how they lit that it's basically tatooine but yeah. tatooine is bright and sunny and yellow mm. and this was a, a desert too but it was it it felt more muted yeah i don't know if it was because of the spice in the sand or what but even the sky it just felt like there was kind of a lens, a filter on the lens where the, the desert just felt muted. If you think about it, Star Wars, the, the desert's very bright. And when it shoots, yeah. switches, yeah. you kind of like, oh, ah, you know, where's my sunglasses? Right. But on this, you never got that with the desert. It was always muted. I thought that was interesting. They never, do they ever show you like, um, like, the moons or like the sky at all like uh like they see the moons once you see, you see the moons yeah, once, 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 once. yeah. But like that's when they say like the scene they like, they the people call that the hand of god so right you, you but they that. we don't we don't get it like a sense of like all right so like on earth we would see like a blue sky and clouds like we don't get that we really get like white surrounding sky that's like just you just know it's hot and oppressive like yeah. kind of heat and then just night like i feel like those are like the two moods of like or, or settings yeah. so I want to I want to ask about two characters because like I said Duncan Idaho was awesome. We'll touch up on him a little bit later, but I definitely want to touch up on Josh Brolin's character, Gurney Halleck, and Dave Bautista's character, who I feel like this was the most imposing and threatening that Dave Bautista looked, and it was just again not much screen time, but he still delivered that he was an imposing and dangerous character. Rodney, I want to lead in with you with this one about Dave and Josh's characters. And is Josh's character still alive? Because we didn't see him die on screen. I was going to say, I don't remember where he was killed. So that was a question. But yeah, so yeah, we didn't. Nobody, uh, you know. David Bautista, uh, very little screen time, but memorable. Mm. You, 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 when, he, when he yells uncle and he's yelling and he's like, and his neck is all veined out and shit. I was just like, oh, I got like chills. I mean, I got all tense up. I wanted to hop in the ring and kiss somebody's ass. I'm like, man, I can feel his rage. And just uh, that's what you want from him. You know, mm -hmm. the big muscular guy and 
you know, it's Drax, and you want, you know, show me some Drax. And, and boy, he said Drax times 10. He, he really, yeah. really made you feel it. Um, so I, I, I wanted to see more of him. Um, and, and, and Josh Brolin, I mean, Jesus, it's just, you know, <laughs> just to think 20 years ago, he had no career, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and now he's just like an A-lister and he just, he, whatever he does, he just knocks it out of the park. And I thought he was, he was just as awesome as, as, as Dave was and as Jason was mm-hmm. um, just his, you could, I look just looking at him. You, my mind was grizzled fat. You know, he's been through hell a thousand times and he's going to take you through hell and carry you on his back. If he has to, but you're going to get through it with him by your side. That's how he made me feel. And I, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. And I like that. He, he, he played the part of a grizzled vet, but he didn't feel like your stereotypical grizzled vet that you're used to seeing on screen. Right. right. He was positive. He was upbeat. He had the can do attitude. Mm. And I, I like that. Also to your point too, Rodney, like a lot of the people that we saw that didn't have a lot of screen time, Still had a lot of presence, which yeah. like like you like you said they it's gave rare. you they gave you the the sense that you wanted more and yeah. like that speaks a lot to you know the the filmmaking process of this movie where like they paid attention to make sure that when those notes hit they hit yeah memorable memorable mm-hmm. yeah well you're tagged in since you there we go one of these days you're gonna get it right on the first time I don't know I'm it's all messed so up I'm, I think you're right here but I'm like you know. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah like i loved i love dave batista's character i wanted more i feel like there's more to him uh than what we got so i'm i'm interested to see this, like to see like any backstory or any more on him um because so, i'm definitely looking forward to more of his character um but josh brolin on the other hand was not so much that it was unexpected but you kind of forget how good of an actor he is yeah. you know what i mean like you go yeah he's great a lot of people will. He's he's been Thanos for the last however many years, but no, he's like really good. Like he does a really like good job of nailing that um, mentor slash right hand kind of figure. Uh, the I don't know like what his position is like head of security like a uh, kind of you know guard, head of the guard kind of thing, but like he holds that position really really well, and he has like the authority for it but he also has the like you can tell he has the knowledge for it like he comes with like a sense of like uh a a well-decorated resume so you can like already get that impression from him so i was a hundred percent here for that performance i didn't know how much i needed that performance until i got that performance yeah tony you're tagged in and i'll let you lead in with the next question too Uh, what's the next question I don't know. You can make it up as you go, because this movie is just awesome. Jesus Christ, man! All right, well, whatever. You read the book, uh, so <laughs> I read half of the book, and I'm reading it again now. Anyway, jeez. jeez. All right, so um, what I thought about Dave Bautista. So Beast Rabin. Um, so just fun fact: he is Harkonnen's. That I mean, Harkonnen's nephew. One of mm-hmm. two nephews, so we'll we'll see how we'll, we'll potentially see his other nephew and how he'll play into uh, in the next movie. And if I recall correctly, uh, Beast and Gurney have a history. I believe he got a scar from him when they fought. Which is why mm-hmm. Gurney has a deep, 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 deep hate for the Harkonnens. And mm-hmm. uh, something that's not in the book, but there is a little slight nod to it in the movie, is that in the book, 
Harney uh, has a bassist or a bassist or whatever. He plays a guitar sort of type of instrument. So when they're in the training room, when we first see him and Paul kind of talk, mm-hmm. and Paul mentions something about like playing a tune of music and he kind of takes it as sarcasm. He plays a song like that's in the book. He like, he does, uh, like he does, okay. Uh, but I thought, you know, it probably he probably took it out of the movie just because he didn't feel like it would fit. It would fit right in the tone that he was trying to go across, not for like the comedy aspect, but for what he was really trying to portray, because it may just not come up organically. So he just left it out, which I think made sense. Um, but yeah, no, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed what Josh Brolin did with the character. I like I keep forgetting Josh Brolin isn't Thanos, right? Like, because I've watched him yeah. as Thanos for so long, because I would just watch Infinity War and Endgame just to watch it. And like, Thanos is ginormous and jacked. And then you see Josh Brolin, and like, yeah, that's, I keep forgetting, that's fucking Thanos, man. Like, because, you know, Josh Brolin isn't like Jason Momoa Jack. He's just like a right. regular ass dude who's just a really I mean, good actor. When we saw him, when we saw him as, uh, what's his name? Cable, he was fucking jacked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, he, he fit the role really well and you got that mentor and you got that you know second hand second in command and really going out there getting all the men mm. all that so um i don't know if he's alive i haven't gotten to that part yet so don't know if he's alive or dead whatever we'll see what happens <laughs> uh and and with with uh with beast rabin um to everyone's point he's not on screen that long but like you get his intensity and part of what dave batista and Skarsgård did with their characters was that they really wanted to show the scariness and intensity of these characters in the bit of screen time that we that we got to that we got to see them in so um i think they hit the mark and i'm hoping we get a little bit a little bit more of it when we get the movie in in two years so um i guess i gotta feed a question or let's see if you want to give your thoughts on these two characters no, I mean, you guys hit the point. I mean, you had everything I was going to say. <laughs> all right, all right, fine, 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 fine. All right, so uh, my question to you is, wh- how did you feel about the betrayal of Duke Leto? Oh. <laughs> See, Bass, like, 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 like in betrayal, like him being betrayed or betrayal of Oscar, Oscar Isaac's playing the character. No, 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 not not his no. portrayal, the betrayal. The betrayal. Oh man, uh, that hit hard. It was like, you know, he was this guy that you really were pulling for, and it's like, yeah, you can't be too attached to this character. I'm sorry, Game of Thrones rules, character that you like. The it, they're they're always the ones that's gonna get it. And it just you want to know what it was. He cared about his people, he cared about everybody, and then it was the fact that he knew that this was a political move and he was preparing for it. But the portrayal was what hit hard and he was like, fuck, I got fucked. And that was it. It was like, it, it really did. And I mean, he tried to go out as a G with the whole thing when the doctor gave him the tooth, but um, it didn't complete the work. It was like, damn, I really wish he had gotten it. It's like that moment. It's like, I really wish he had gotten everybody in that fucking room. But he didn't. And it was like, it just, it's probably one of the most saddest betrayal scenes and arcs that I've ever seen. And I would even say it's, it's it because like um, you had the Red Wedding, which was very gory. This, it didn't have to be gory. It just... It was sad. It was like this guy who you really wanted to be the guy to really mm-hmm. connect with the people and everything. And it was like, nope, nope. We're just he. We're gonna kill him, Rodney. I'll tag you in next. I I thought it was very uh, uh, 
when I I drew parallels to the JFK assassination. Um, mm. He was, you know, the young prince of Camelot, and he was the future of the country. And the old, you know, old war horses from the generation prior didn't like him because he threatened the war machine, and so they had to get rid of him. Yeah, this that was the parallels that I drew with Oscar Isaac's character, and the the doctor. I can't remember his name. Um, uh, Doctor Dr. Wellington Yu. Yeah, the the betrayal was he was used. He was manipulated like all the great all the great villains, all the 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 Nazi regime or uh, North Korea. They use people. You know, they use what they care about the most as a tool to use them to for betrayal. And and when he when he when he said his his wife. Was gonna, you know, was was held, I knew exactly what was gonna happen. I was and, just gonna uh, ask if, like, if everyone had that same feeling of like, yeah. You and I felt, I felt for him too because, it, you know, he was a pawn. Yeah. And he probably knew it too, which is why he had the tooth ready. Mm. But you know, he 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 rolled them dice too and came up snake eyes. You know, he's like, well, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, they stick to their word and I get my wife back, but. You know, villains are villains, man. And it was just, it was, it was a, a Greek tragedy wrapped around a Greek tragedy. You know, no, for real, yeah. Um, it great, you know. It was, it was really so. I don't know if I immediately got the impression that like we knew Oscar Isaac was going to die, but I had a feeling, you know, based on like uh, like what they were hinting at with Paul, like they were trying to hype him up so much, and it was sad because like I saw, I think. I don't know if it was a trailer or it was like a, someone like took a clip from it, but uh, it was describing that part. Or like one of the very early scenes where you know Paul was talking to um, uh, why well, can't even uh, uh, to Duke um, about like I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know you know what if I don't what if I what if I get the call and I my answer is no. He goes then you'll still be everything I, I need you to be, my son. I was like. This guy, this is like, what a dad, what a dad. Like, you don't really get that with a lot of, like, so that it shows the character of that, of that person. You know what I mean? Like, that we don't get in a lot of these stories where, like, he's like, listen, maybe you will, maybe you don't. But, like, it's not my choice to, like, impart that on you. I can only just kind of guide you and help you out. But at the end of the day, you're still my son. So, like, getting... The betrayal later, especially from Dr. Yue, who you thought was like your boy, because he was like in there, just like, Yeah, your mom, you know, sent me down here to come check on you and blah blah. For him to be the guy, but then you understand, like, you understand because of the circumstances, you're like, You feel bad, like, because he did exactly what he had to do because of the circumstances. It, it further proves how bad the emperor is, how bad, um, how bad, uh, the um, what's this, what's this guy's name? The Baron is. Uh, it it like further emanates how much they feared um, House Atreides. Like they they were willing to go this far to not only like put them in an almost like unwinnable situation with the changes of like them as like the new uh, you know house of the of of that planet and whatever the case is, but they gave them such the short end of the stick to then like already have one hand tied behind your back. And then get him like while he's down. You know what I mean? So like yeah. there wasn't really a chance for him 
no matter how how much you know they were prepped or or they were doing their best so it hurt more when you saw it because like you kind of saw if you paid attention like they were leading this man for a setup you know yeah. they, were, they were they were leading him for failure and the other thing too that i found interesting about that was it forced me to ask myself would i have done the same thing knowing what was coming anyway what yeah. choice would i have made you know because yeah. if it's if it's an all-out galactic war you know and, and this impending doom what choice and you know this you know you're being manipulated what choice would you make you uh, for me <laughs> they're I, i'm writing my wife and my kid they're gone you know mm -hmm. so i'm going to do as much as i can to stop these assholes <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. but but did he so with with the limited decisions that he could make you know do you feel like he had enough things as far as options to even make some a, a better or like you know a well more well-informed decision yeah no so yeah did, did he have that he yeah he, he, he was Yue or leto uh leto no, I, don't, no, I don't i don't know like had, i i feel like ua had both his hands tied but like like there was yeah. no way he could have made a different decision like they're like in all circumstances like they really put his back to, to the wall so, with leto i feel like no matter how you slice it you give him you can maybe give him another option like there's oh there's door number three but there's not much behind there because you've left him with so little of options you know no so 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 the way they the way they do it right is that they go into they're going to a rockets right Mm -hmm. They know this some bullshit is gonna happen. Yeah. They like there's enough dialogue. We're saying like we know there's a traitor. Like even like the first attempt at at Paul's life, right? That was all a setup. Yeah. Um. We we don't so we don't so we don't get that in the movie. So in the in, in like the second literally the second chapter of the book we get to the Baron talking about his plan to take out the Duke and the, how they were gonna use the Doctor. And they even mentioned that we're going to attempt the son's life and then we're going to and then their 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 mentat uh what's his name uh thufer howitt right he's gonna deduce that it's jessica jessica is the reason who's trying to do all this because it can't be the doctor because the doctor under book plot re under book reasons uh he technically can't hurt whoever he's with there's like some sort of thing that the doctors go through mm -hmm. um and so they're like all right we're gonna knock him out so they're they're plant they're planting this seed of of like there's something going to happen with the house of betrayal for mm -hmm. then the doctor to come out and be the one to do it because they're not even they're not even thinking about him and the house of trade already is assuming some crap is going to happen but they just didn't see that side of it so yeah, they, they they put up the fact that they know that they're probably being set up. They know that they're becoming the new house that everyone is falling in. That's very that's very popular. That the emperor doesn't want to be uh, as popular, and so they send them over to to Dune to essentially get decimated so that the emperor can stay in power and gave the Harkonnens what they needed and all the other stuff. So it's mm. it's it's they they go into it kind of knowing that something was about. Um, but they, you know, there really wasn't anything they can they can do about it. Right. They didn't anticipate that angle. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why that's why it hurt with his betrayals. Like you want it, and it's like they touched up on that too. That you know the house Harkin and it showed their greed when they mentioned that the the families, the houses that were, um, you know, cultivating the spice and all that, that they were making a bigger fortune than the emperor himself. 
So think about like a trade, the house of trades, which is probably the most loved house in the universe. The emperor didn't want so it was a whole setup and he knew that this was some type of setup and kept pointing out like look see they left us broken machines look so he knew again that there was a, and he was even preparing paul like you know you want to come to these council meetings you don't want to go out there yet we want to come to these council meetings to prepare because you know there, there's a big political stage which again it has that political thriller in there too and we've yeah. yet to see the emperor but i wanted to touch up on this because um i know we can't talk too much about zendaya's character even though again we're going to probably get more of her character in the second movie than we did in I the think first they did it purposely no i would think it was done purposely because again it was fleshing out paul's story but we're going to probably see her more because again there was a lot of characters even though again she did i i think she still still did deliver a stellar performance in this and we're going to see more of her but i know that this was something that um we've seen a lot of stuff have trouble with where it's like always the damsel distress lady jessica atreides was not a lady in distress she was not she was just straight badass actually she was the one you wanted to fear when they were taking her and paul to go drop him off in the desert like they made sure they had her mouth shut i mean um rodney how did you feel about uh lady jessica atreides she was carol from the walking dead <laughs> yes she, she, she her outward appearance was that of a church mouse you know she mm -hmm. appeared meek and quiet and but internally she was uh plotting and uh setting up things and teaching trying to teach paul it, it seemed to me like as quickly as possible um but as as good as she possibly could trying to get him to focus you know because she could anticipate it all coming too um so yeah it, it it she reminded me of carol from the walking dead um outward appearance of very meek and very submissive and vulnerable but she was anything but that and i thought it was pretty pretty cool pretty stealthy yeah yeah tony oh man that was spot on uh like she she really plays the part and like you kind of get what the whole to do is with the ben with the Ben Gesserit and like the, they are a force to be reckoned with and like how they, they are like one third of like the political system in the Dune universe. Right. Um, which is why even the Baron was like, when he was talking to the, the older mother, like the, 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 the reverend uh, the reverend mother, mother right he was telling her, yeah, we'll, we'll keep her alive and we'll keep the boy alive. Cause he's been learning the ways yeah. and you know, alive as in, I won't kill them they may die but i will not kill them because i'm not going to be held accountable for their deaths right. like he's doing everything to make sure that if they do die it's not on him because of the power that the uh the the ben Gesserit holds in the political sway like they do all of this stuff in the background to get to um paul yeah. plausible Just deniability yep. yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah and, you know, and, and like you, you really, you really see it. Like you see her, you don't really see her playing the political game in the movie where you do, um, where you do in the books. Cause they, there's a, there's a dinner scene in the books. You get a bunch of big players in Dune kind of come in and she kind of helps out and she's talking and she's realizing all the shit that's going on. We don't really see that here. We really see her as just like the, the mother and the companion of, of Leto until that last quarter of the movie, that third act when, she kind of takes over and does all this stuff in the ship, right? In the book, do they give a reason why he never married her? Like they do. They the reason why he never married her is because it is to give the illusion 
that a treaty between a house and a trades can happen by marriage. Oh, that is why wow. he wouldn't. He wouldn't do it. But the whole point is that it's there. But he was faithful to her. <clears throat> wow! Dun, dun, well dun, dun. done. Well yeah. done. So yeah. we're coming to a close with this. But um, no, I want to get your thoughts on giant sandworms. <laughs> what would you do if you saw them fuckers traveling through the Bronx after you? First of all, why are they in the Bronx? Let's just <laughs> put the Bronx. that out it's there. The Bronx. Um, but yeah, uh, one such on Lady Jessica only because uh, of uh, what they said. That last fight that they had where they were like, oh, yeah, she's a force to be reckoned with because like not only she has the voice and everything, but she had hands for days. So yep. put it out there. That was probably one of the best like uh, felt very like like when you see the Dora Milaje for the first time, you're just like, oh, shit. It was that. It was kind of like that. Um, but to uh, to go back to the sandworms, I think it was dope. I I, I kind of want to see more of it because I feel like they, they held back a little bit on them to like make us fearful or make, make the characters fearful of it um, and kind of make it imposing. But they were like, yo, sandworms reach like what was it, 400 meters or some craziness like that. And I was like, we're only seeing bare minimum of that thing. So, like, let's go. If they're going to go ham, let's go ham. Uh, if I see one, I know how to step, like, you know, like, top, top, uh, slide. The, the, the tap, tap, walk? slide. The, the Fermi walk. walk. <laughs> tap, tap, slide. You're going to start, start, start sea walking, man. What are you doing? Bro, like. <laughs> the parallel moonwalk. Yo, listen, no rhythms, no nothing. How they, when they when they show that at the end and Paul was like desert power when they show one of the Furman riding one of the sandworms how did you guys feel about that? That shit was dope. We're gonna see Paul weird. riding one in, in movie two. I <laughs> hope so. I I I want to see more of it because I feel like it, it was like uh cool like we get it like they kind of lead it into it to give you an, enough of a like oh shit they're not to be messed with but I feel like they're like. They're holding back a little bit because eventually they're going to be something where everyone's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, we have these shields up so, like, the sandworms don't break through. I want to see a sandworm just wreck house on a city. Like, just give me that. Did you guys feel, um, I'll let you all answer, just like yes and no, um, or just give you your idea about it. So when that first sandworm popped up, um, not the first one, when that one popped up out of the ground and was looking at Paul, and all you hear is, huh, huh, did you think he was laughing at the at Paul? Um, because I know it was mimicking the thumper that it heard, but it was like, oh, uh, and it was like Jess was looking at it too. She's like, was he laughing at him? I was like, no, he is a thumper. What do you? I don't, I don't know if it was laughing. I thought I thought it was some level of communication though. Like it looked like it was like, yeah. mm, does he does he recognize like something? Like I, I thought there was more to it, and maybe there's not. But like, it was very something like, wait a was, wait a wait a damn minute! Like what was that? It was definitely mimicking the thumper, and when you got eaten by one, I wouldn't want to be eaten. No death by sandworm. Death by snooshin, maybe, but death by sandworm, no. Digestive system, bad. <laughs> but Rodney, um, you are now on the plug, brother. We're going to let you plug away, because um, Rodney Fike is with us, guys. He has come to grace us with the goodness of what is called Roadkill Rampage. You have to pick up this book. You need to add this book to your collection. You need to go to the link of the, um, in the description to support the Kickstarter so you can get a copy of this book. If you love Grindhouse, if you love horror, if you just want some awesome comics in your collection, 
please, Rodney, take it away. Give us a give us about Roadkill Rampage. I see Roadkill Rampage issue two. Uh, we're picking up um, with Tess. She is alone in the forest now at nighttime. She's by herself. Um, so she's trying to find her way back home. Um, and as she's doing that, she stumbles across uh, an injured dog. Uh, she takes the injured dog to try to get it some help. Uh, and in doing so, she stumbles across an old veterinarian's house and she has a conversation with the vet. And the vet tells her that the animals in the area have been doing some weird and strange things. And her being a young girl in a horror story does whatever a young girl in a horror story does. She goes back to the scene of the crime, try to investigate. She, she goes down, she goes back to the old farmhouse. Uh, and uh, when she gets there, she kicks a proverbial hornet's nest. And when in doing so, she, it is revealed to her very quickly that evil comes in many forms in this forest. So we have to read on to see if she, she triumphs and is able to escape the evil that is pursuing her or if she's able or if she is uh abducted by it and dragged off into the deep dark scary forest <laughs> so go kickstarter get issue to a roadkill rampage and all kind of all the other goodies that come with it stickers uh, trading cards an enamel pen mini prints um all kind of variant covers a sketch cover you can get a commission from me or sean langley the artist all kind of goodies. So also, please go where check can it we out. find you? We have the links in the description, but where, where can we find you? What are you doing? What are you up to? Uh, let's see. You guys can find me on Instagram at Rodney underscore Fike. That's F-Y-K-E. You can find me on Facebook at Rodney Fike Art. On Twitch, Rodney Fike at Twitch. I do, uh, with Sean Fornia and myself, we do a Thursday night throwdown and a Friday night draw, 8 o'clock Eastern where on Thursday nights, it's all of my social platforms and we get on and we draw um, work. I usually work on commissions or artwork for sale. And we talk all things nerdy from eight to about nine 30. And then on Friday nights, we do a Friday night draw on all of Sean Forney's social networks. Um, and so we do that every week. And then, uh, yeah, that's, if that's not enough, uh, I usually stream at 11 AM for about a half hour. I kind of do a warm up sketch or something or working on a commission or something i haven't been doing it lately because we've been busy with everything else but i'm going to try to get back on track next week and, uh at 11 o'clock 11 a.m so check that out nice Definitely. darnie it's always awesome having you on the show thank you for yes, coming on yes. again and sharing this with us brother Definitely, brother. And you're always, you know, doors always welcome. Guys, always. we always love having Rodney on. And please check him on Thursday night, um, SmackDown. That's right. Doing his drawing, just laying it out, man. I've seen some of the episodes, and he's done some great work during Ambient Con, too. And if you see him at a show, definitely stop by, talk to Rodney and Tina. Get to talk to him, get to know him. Commission him because you will get a dope piece of art in your collection. And please go and subscribe to it. Go, go and support that Kickstarter. If you haven't supported it, you know what? Just don't end up as roadkill. Come on, just run roadkill rampage. Come on, <laughs> and watch, dude. This has been another episode of Nerds and Rounds, guys. It's your host Sebastian. It's your boy Law. And your boy Tone from across the hall. Pick up a book, guys. Yes, reading is fundamental. <laughs> Says this guy. <laughs>